This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations about the business of media and entertainment. I'm TV business writer Jennifer Moss. Nebula, which launched in 2019, describes itself as a creator-focused, creator-built, creator-first premium streaming service, akin to a Netflix or Hulu, but with the ethos of Patreon. The four-year-old indie streaming service, which is backed by creator-owned management company Standard and a minority stake held by CuriosityStream, costs $5 a month or $50 a year to subscribe to. It currently totals 650,000 subscribers and passed 100,000 daily active users in October. Nebula is home to the popular Amazing Race style online competition series Jetlag the Game, which has half a million subscribers on YouTube, as well as the theater in the round Shakespearean trans coming out story of The Prince and Night of the Coconut, the debut film from Patrick Wilms. Unlike other streamers, Nebula sees YouTube as a partner, not a competitor, with episodes of Nebula series usually seeing a week-long exclusive window on Nebula before creators post them to YouTube and use them to, in turn, promote Nebula. In August, Nebula named Jetlag star Sam Denby its first chief content officer and is currently promoting its fall lineup of originals. We'll be back with Dave after this break. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Snakes. Zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. 
But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh. Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Here to talk about the growth of the indie platform and plans to expand on its slate of original series on today's Strictly Business podcast is Nebula CEO Dave Wiskus. I'd like to start with just for our audience members who might not be familiar with Nebula, um, what it, what is it in your own words? There should be an easier answer to this question. And what makes it complicated is that nothing like this has really been achieved before. And I, I don't necessarily mean that in a grandstanding sort of way. It's just that it, it always ends up being like a tech company who tries to do a thing with creators or uh, an entertainment media company who tries to do user-generated content stuff like you know, Quibi or something. It, it's never the creators starting their own thing and then like really landing it. Mm-hmm. And in, in our case, it's a group of creators who got together because we saw that um, very simply, on a creator career path, step one is YouTube or whatever. And step, say, 10 is Netflix. Mm-hmm. The problem is where are steps two through nine? <laughs> if we want that to exist, we want to build that bridge, we have to build it. And so the the purpose of Nebula, the, the, the thing that we're building, the thing that we have built, it is intended to be uh, a way for, for the creators to, to sort of traverse the 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 vast space between user-generated content and more traditionally accepted uh, forms of media and entertainment. And it's, it's almost a fraught answer to, to say, to, to focus on like what the creators get out of this. But what we've learned is that so much of the relationship, so much of what makes this, this kind of thing powerful is the relationship between the audience and the creator. That's where we win. It's that sort of parasocial dynamic. So for the audience, at the at the base level, earliest days, it's about getting access to things early. It's about getting access to behind the scenes content, not dissimilar from like the value proposition of a Patreon or something like that. Um, as we look out in the future, we've we've always been building up our originals, building up our our stable of you know content that is made here. And in the case of like a jet lag, might end up also on YouTube as a way to pull people in. But things that have our logo on it. The idea is a little bit less Patreon, a little bit more A24, which can be uh, brand definition. Here's what creators are capable of. And then uh, sort of step three in that, I guess, is uh, Nebula being more of a Netflix style destination home for really great things that are made by people who might not have had the opportunity or the, the means to do those, those projects within the traditional Hollywood system or traditional media system. Uh, what is, again, asking you to define here, 
Standard, which is the company that is behind Nebula and existed, preceded Nebula's launch? Very simply, a talent management company. We work with a, a bunch of creators. We book sponsors on their shows and help them develop their businesses. And along the way, uh, we we realized that there are some some gaps in the the industry, like around licensing and things like that. And we had been working, we've been chatting with YouTube back when they were still doing originals. They had asked us for some pitches for original shows. We sent them over and they kind of never got back to us. So we decided, you know what, we're going to start our own streaming video platform. So uh, Standard is there to help creators build and, and guide and run their, their business operations. And Nebula is kind of a consequence of that. Mm -hmm. uh when, where exactly, uh, if you remember where and when the idea for Nebula came from and what was part of the, we can actually make this work when something like a vessel did not work. Yeah, I think a vessel was like a, it was a technology driven technology solution made by technology people. There's business, there's technology, there's maybe some entertainment media in there. I don't want to comment too hard on that, but, uh, for us, it came organically. We we had been approached by uh, the group that was building what became Peacock in the end, wanting to bring like user generated content stuff onto a new platform they were building. They wanted to talk licensing, but how they approached the licensing deals, it, it sort of it didn't make much sense because it would be wildly different from creator to creator. And we kind of wanted to take the collective bargaining power, the leverage that we had as a as a group and kind of get everybody a, a, a more consistent deal. Uh, at the same time, we were being approached by Vimeo, the lovely people at Vimeo, who uh, they they were saying, they picked one creator and they said, this, this person should have their own streaming service. We can build an over-the-top solution and, and power that streaming service. And I said, well, that guy makes a video every three months. What kind of streaming service would that be? You're paying, what, $5 a month for a content catalog of 16 videos? Come on. Like that doesn't, and they, and they said, do you have any other creators who are more frequent who, for whom that would make sense? And I was like, well, no, the only way that would really make any sense is if it were all of the creators and, uh, oh, oh, that's an idea. What if we did that? And looking at the, the over the top streaming solutions at the time and how cheap it had gotten and how doing something like that could provide a content licensing engine, potentially, there were multiple problems that could be solved at once. The licensing thing and, you know, building out some sort of uh, test bed of a, a new business venture for creators. And I took the idea to, this would have been, I want to say November of 2018, October and November of 2018. I, I took it to the creators and I wrote this long email, like, here's kind of what I'm thinking. Here's my vision for this. And I expected it would be a six month climb to convince everybody. Like, let's get, let's get everybody on board. I knew that I could because it was just, it it, it was inexpensive enough that there wasn't a ton of risk in it. We just had to come up with enough value proposition to the creators. So I figured like, well, give me six months and I'll, I'll, I'll eventually get everybody there. I sent out the email and instantly every single creator was like, we have to do this. Let's go. Getting going, doing that. Um, I know you all started with, I think it's $100,000 to get Nebula actually ready for launch. <laughs> Where did that That's come from? Because I know you didn't have venture capital. To the extent that that can be true, it is true, uh, b because it, the, the the calculus there is how much were we paying the engineer who was working on it for the time that they or the engineers who were working on it over the time that they spent working on it. 
uh, it wasn't like we wrote a hundred thousand dollar check. It's, it's more like we, as a business, uh, standard, we, we have a a whole, uh, what do you even call it? We have a backend software that we developed to help power like creator things, uh, this booking of sponsors, invoicing, stuff like that. Um, sort of like a little mini sales force for creator things. Um, and we've been building that since 2017, 2018, uh, 2017. Uh, the, the, the engineering team that was working on it when we were looking at doing an over the top video solution. Well, like I said, we we're talking to Vimeo, but it, they wanted to own the credit card relationship. Mm-hmm. And coming from uh, my years of working with Apple as a, as a designer, I was keenly aware, and uh, my years of being a musician, uh, I was keenly aware that what made the iTunes music store work is that when you want another song, Apple already has your credit card number. Mm-hmm. You just press a button. And what made the app store work is that when you want that new app, Apple already has your credit card number and you press a button. By giving Vimeo full ownership of the credit card relationship, we would potentially be cutting ourselves off from future opportunities where we could do cool, interesting, you know, integrations of sorts by virtue of just, you know, we don't even own the actual relationship. And, you know, what if things fell apart with, with that company? Anything can happen. We don't want to, we don't want to cut off all future possibilities. And so we, we found a different partner instead, and it required a little bit of development effort on our side. So we just, we knew we could either reassign an engineer or make one more hire. And so we just made one more hire onto the team. And then as the project developed, it became a little bit more complex when we made a second hire. Uh, and I think we only had the two people by launch. There's like two engineers working on it, which is where we came up with the number. Like those two engineers over that period of time, roughly 100K, not an exact science on that. It's hard for it to be because they were also working on other stuff at the same time. But the money came from you know, standard was profitable. We, we had those resources. And the, the intent was always, let's keep reinvesting our successes into building more successes. And uh, this, this was a thing that felt like it could potentially become something. We had no idea that it would turn into this. I mean, we, I guess we had hopes, but even our hopes, it, it never quite, this never seemed possible. This never seemed realistic. Uh, talking about what it has turned into, um, this is, and correct me if any of this is out of date, uh, but currently Nebula is valued at 150 million and there are 650,000 paying users and that's still with no venture capital funding. Uh, pretty close. Uh, standard with the valuation is on standard because it's confusing. Standard is the company that owns Nebula. And while Nebula is technically a separate LLC for a handful of reasons, when we talk valuation, we're talking about the entirety of the machine. So much of the, the creator relationships and audience relationships and partnerships and everything happen up at the standard level. So it's kind of, it's hard to fully disconnect the two. But in that that number, when we came up with the number, it was based on like the totality of everything that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the user. Uh, yeah, 600 and, uh, at the moment, like 680,000. Okay. And then I believe you tweeted recently that Nebula just passed 100,000 daily active users. Yeah, that was a fun one. And we're, we're getting close to uh, 300,000 monthly active. Oh, all right. 
Um, so with that behind it, you know, we've talked a lot about the the business um, mechanics of getting it launched first, but where are those views coming from? The content on Nebula, what can you explain what the system is and the current funneling of the exclusive window of this content before creators post it elsewhere, like on YouTube? It's really a choose your own adventure story as a creator. If you want to make things that only live on Nebula, you can. If you want to make things that live on Nebula for a week and then go to YouTube, you can. We have different naming structures for these things to try to disambiguate it from uh, for the audience. But the intent is that Nebula is like the canonical home of the things that these creators make. And uh, in, in the case of jet lag, the, the business model is built around the, the YouTube version that every video ends with a cliffhanger that makes you want to go sign up for Nebula. That was baked in from day one. That's always been the plan. And that, that works very effectively. And there are some creators who uh, they were able to get ahead on schedule and, you know, maybe they make one video per month, but they, they got ahead on schedule. So the video always goes to, to Nebula. And then last month's video goes to YouTube at the same time. And we call those Nebula first. Uh, there's full-on Nebula original productions, which will only ever be on Nebula. And then there's like bonus content, kind of DVD extras that we call Nebula Plus. Mm -hmm. The way that the audience comes in sort of depends on the creator. For, for some creators, it's uh, they sign up because they really want to see the next video. For some creators, the audience signs up because there's bonus stuff that they really want to see. For some creators, many creators, uh, it's talking about the originals is what pulls people in. Uh, and then there's, of course, the, the people who, who come and sign up just because they want to support the creators. Again, I think that what makes us so different and what's hard for uh, more traditional systems to, it, it's hard to fit us in with more traditional systems because the audience, a large portion of the audience signs up for Nebula because they believe in us and they want to support these creators. I don't think Disney has that kind of relationship. I don't think Netflix has that kind of relationship. We'll be back with more from Dave after this break. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. Speaking to Netflix, I know there was a stat that uh, Nebula is second only to Netflix in customer retention. How do you guys measure that? Churn. We're using uh, antenna data for that. I believe Netflix is 3.6% churn rate. Uh, and the purported number two, Disney Plus, is around 4.5% churn rate based on the last numbers that we saw. And we, depending on where we are in a month, hover between like 3.8 to 4%. So according to antenna data, if they were to 
classify us in the same ranking, we would be number two for customer uh, attention behind Netflix. What would you say is the biggest factor keeping that churn rate for you? I think the, the audience just really loves the creators. They want to see the creators succeed. And when they come in, they they stay because they, they're, they're invested in the story. And the cheap cop-out retort to that would be that so many of our customers come in, like overall, a little over 50% of the people who sign up for Nebula sign up for annual plans. So of course, monthly churn is going to be low. And Netflix doesn't offer an annual plan, I don't believe. Um, many of the, the big streamers don't which is weird. I've got thoughts on that. But uh, I, I would argue that the, the reason that our customers sign up for annual so heavily to begin with is, is because they, they know what they're getting into. They're committing. Mm -hmm. They know that we get more money up front. They know that uh, things are going to grow and evolve over time. They know that they're going to get more stuff. Why wouldn't they spend 30 bucks? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's what it comes down to. They they believe in what we're doing. They want to see how this unfolds, and they're they're making a you know a one year investment in that story. Uh, we mentioned jet lag, but I'm going to go into a little more specifically now. Uh, the travel game show that I'm obsessed with, uh, and the reason I signed up for Nebula um, when I first discovered uh, jet lag, I watched everything currently available on YouTube, and I believe we were in the middle of one of the seasons at that point. Then I went and signed up for Nebula because I wanted to see what was currently available there. <laughs> we got you. Yeah, you got me. And I watched Crime Spree, which for people to know, that was like the unofficial first season that's only available to stream on Nebula. Um, so I'd love to get an idea during a season of jet lag, or if you have another example of, of another show that has that same format on Nebula, what do signups look like? What is kind of the bump that you get from something like that? Especially given that if I wanted to, I could wait and watch it all on YouTube. You could, or you could sign up. It's 30 bucks a year, which comes out to be $2 and 50 cents a month. <laughs> you know, we've done uh, premiere events where we, if you're a Nebula subscriber, you get to, you know, it's first come first serve, but if you're a Nebula subscriber, you can just come to the premiere. <laughs> Let us know, we'll get you a spot. And those, you, the spots usually, I say sell out, they're free. They, uh, the spots sell out like within minutes. <laughs> And we'll, we'll get every single time, we'll get one or two people who are like, if I'm not signed up for Nebula, can I just buy a ticket? And the answer is, yeah, it's $30 and it comes with a free year of Nebula. Like it's $30. Uh, your, your Uber to the venue is going to cost you that. The price point is so low, especially relative to other streamers. I'm not saying that this is no money and I don't want to uh, ignore that the, the there's income disparity. I don't, I don't want to make that assumption. But when you consider the emotional attachment that the audiences tend to have, and for a show like Jetlag, people really love Sam and Ben and Adam. They love them. The Jetlag fans are, are kind of intense about it. They're, they, have, they have a lot of fun. Uh, they, they, we get fan art. I get fan art. I'm not even on the show. Jet lag fans draw pictures of all of us and they are constantly discussing us on Discord and on Twitter. And uh, they, they just really, really, really love the show. And that kind of emotional attachment, of course, they want to see the next episode. When something can reach people and bring a little bit of joy like that, and it has that spirit of independence, it's not a, 
a big budget Hollywood style game show production that's all full of spectacle. And like, this is, this is people doing a thing that it looks like you could do that. We get people asking all the time, can you make like a home version that I could play with my friends? Or can you, will you sell the cards so that I can do the same thing? But we're careful about that because we don't want to encourage people to jump on planes or do anything that, that annoys other people. And uh, there's bigger conversations to be had about how a thing like that could be done ethically. I know that the jet lag team works really hard to make sure that anything they do, like when they film, they're always conscious of people's privacy. They're not out there to be like, you know, jerk YouTubers getting in everybody's way. Uh, and so coming up with a way to share that, that isn't encouraging people to be obnoxious is something, but that kind of relationship when, when an audience loves to show that much and when it's that easy to project yourself in or feel like you're friends with these people, of course you want to hit the button. That's not the, 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 the hill to climb, you know, a $5 a month or $30 a year hill to, to sign up for that, uh, not insurmountable. And so we do see a pretty big bump, obviously, when, when jet lags on air, we conversions, um, signups for, for jet lag go up dramatically. Uh, but it kind of happens that way. We have shows that drive huge numbers. Interestingly, by various metrics, jet lag is not our number one show. Hmm. It is, I think, by audience engagement in terms of just people being excited about it and sending us fan art certainly our number one show, but not always by watch time, not always by signups. So whenever uh, certain kinds of projects go out, uh, I think jet, yeah, jet lags are, are only travel or game show style thing at the moment in that format. We're working on some stuff, handful of things. We don't want to just make jet lag too. We want to be really careful about one, not saturating, but two, not like, I don't know, diluting, if that makes sense. Um, we want to reinvest our success into doing something creatively interesting, not just doing the same thing again. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's there's a number of formats, different creators work on different things, and there it's it's more about like audience depth and audience love will will drive the big numbers. Mm -hmm. So with that, all that said, why is jet lag not exclusively on Nebula? And that, that same question going for any really high trafficking Nebula stuff. And, and if those conversations have ever been had with those creators and, and why from a business standpoint, someone would say, well, obviously this does very well and it could do better if it only existed here. It's easy to think that what we're building is a YouTube competitor. Mm -hmm. And if you imagine it as a YouTube competitor, it's easy to think that anything we do from any creator we work with, the goal should be for it to be exclusively on Nebula. Mm -hmm. What we're really building is a Netflix competitor. And the path we're going to have to take to get there, YouTube is our biggest partner. YouTube is our closest ally. YouTube is the top of the funnel for us. Mm -hmm. We're just a little bit further down. And the way that the audience dynamics work, the YouTube algorithm, much maligned, is the, our greatest champion. It's out there finding new fans for us. It's out there finding new people who love the things that our creators make. And so we've designed our system, our entire business model around leveraging that to bring those fans to us. Now, how, how often do you get like an Ega corporation building you a free machine to bring you audience? 
of course we want to take advantage of that. Someday, uh, we it's entirely possible that that any of our shows become exclusive to Nebula. Not really by design, at least at the moment. Uh, we have folks, Lindsay Ellis is 100% exclusive to Nebula, not really by our request so much as hers. She sort of got tired of the way she was in the public eye and she sort of wanted to approach her career differently and we were supportive of that. She uh, absolutely kills on watch time. Her fans love her too. Uh, but it, it wasn't because we're like, we must collect all of the things and they must all be ours. We're not like Thanos out there grabbing all the infinity stones. We're not here to, I don't know, catch them all. Oh, back to Pokemon. The, the, the goal, rather, is to build a bridge. I want to occupy a much more A24 style space where we work with the creators. We uh, help them make the, the, we help them make the things that they want to make. We help them develop as creators. I'm in LA right now on set with Jesse Earl, Jesse Gender, who's uh, directing her first uh, larger, larger budget short film, a sci-fi production, narrative fiction. We've got like Panavision camera and actors you've heard of and all of this. And, and the idea is that if we provide Jesse with a structure that uh, can help her become successful, she can actually become a real filmmaker. She has the talent. She has the skill. She has the ambition. It's for most of our creators. Those aren't the gap for most people on YouTube. Those aren't the gap. It usually comes down to connections, uh, funding and experience. And so what we're trying to do with Nebula is, is build a system that can provide the connections, the funding and the experience and build a bridge. So not everything has to be exclusive here. I would love it if we could live in a world where, you know, Jesse or other filmmakers we work with, Patrick Willems, start making movies that go to a wide theatrical release. And there's some segment of the audience where the only thing they know Nebula as is the, uh, you know, the stinger that comes up before the movie starts. The same way that you would see the A24 logo or uh, the Skydance logo, Amblin Entertainment, like these kinds of things. Uh, I guess the closest analog for the, the vision is something like if A24 had their own streaming service, you can see everything everywhere all at once on any of the things. But if you go to A24's thing, you can see all of their productions. That's kind of how we're thinking about it. Okay. Uh... With that, I'm wondering if you can explain uh, what the difference is between original content that lives on Nebula and a Nebula original. Is there a difference? Well, make sure I understand you guys have a slate of Nebula originals that you've announced coming in the fall. So I wonder what those mm -hmm, are mm -hmm. and why they're labeled that way and what that means at Nebula versus a creator whose content exists on Nebula. If there are things commissioned by Nebula, and that are owned by Nebula versus content that does a creator own it when it exists on there and is on Nebula? Ooh, there's a part of this question I'm really excited to answer. Okay. <laughs> um, but I'll save that part. So okay. there's the, it, it, it's a, yeah, this isn't entirely intuitive and there's not a great solution for this, but the best way to think of this is if we are paying for it in total or, you know, in majority, uh, and we are providing our own production resources. We have an entire Nebula Studios team, which is headed up by a former Marvel Studios producer uh, that is, exists specifically to help creators make the things that they want to make. So like for Identities, the uh, Nebula original film that we're working on here in LA this week, 
we have an entire production team working together to support Jesse in making this film. That is very clearly a Nebula original, providing production support, we're providing funding, and it'll live exclusively on Nebula. For a creator who uh, they made a video and they also made like a five minute companion piece that doesn't really fit on YouTube. So they're going to make it like a Nebula exclusive thing. That's not really an original. Not in, not in the way that you'd think prestige original. Uh, it's, it's more of like bonus content, like a DVD extra. So we kind of break it down like that. If it's its own thing and stands alone and you could imagine, you know, sitting down and hitting play on just that and we help to make it happen, then that's an original. If there's prestige, that's an original. But if it's like, you know, a thing that kind of needs the rest of the system to make any sense, that's more of a, a plus kind of thing. But the other part of your question, like who owns it? Every single thing that the creators make that go on Nebula, including every single one of our originals, are owned by the creators. We do not own the intellectual property. If it's a Nebula original, we get an exclusive, uh, an exclusive streaming license, but we don't own the IP. So if uh, in the case of uh, the short film that we're working on now, Identities, it could be treated as a pilot episode of a show. And Jesse could take that pilot to Netflix, to HBO, to you know whomever and sell the show. They, they would have to buy the rights to the pilot from us, the mm -hmm. streaming rights to the, the pilot from us. But Jesse could sell the entire show. We don't get a penny. Mm -hmm. She can develop um, merchandising around it. We don't get a penny. Ask George Lucas how valuable that can be. <laughs> so does that pose, you know, concerns to Nebula as, as a company that you don't own the IP and could a creator take their content off Nebula anytime they wanted to? Uh, concerns? No, no. I think that um, trust has to be at the core of what we do. Like, I don't want to be in business with anybody who doesn't want to be in business with me. I don't want people locked into a relationship. For a creator, either, either they believe in what we're doing and we're all on the same team or they don't. And it's helpful to note that Nebula, 50% of, of Nebula is owned by the creators. If we were to ever sell it, we have to contractually give 50% of that money to the creators. Whenever there's there's profit, we have to give 50% of that profit to the creators. This is a partnership. So when we bring a new creator in, we're not signing talent. We're bringing in a new business. It's part of the reason why we're so slow and methodical in, in how we grow our roster. Like we're not we're not signing random deals to to get content. We are, you know. These are new roommates we're interviewing. These are longer term relationships. Uh, so because of that, because of the nature of the relationships, we don't see a lot of people leave. There's not a ton of hard requirements for things people are, are have to do. Uh, so for the folks who you know, maybe don't have the the bandwidth or aren't seeing returns, then you know they, they can kind of just coast on it and keep uploading to both places and still you know, get some level of reward. Also, we're the largest sponsor for all of our creators. We literally every month, our largest line item is we pay all of our creators to go tell their audience that they're on Nebula. So there's not a ton of incentive for anyone to walk away from that relationship. So we're not really worried about it. I don't think we have to lock people into anything. If the deal is good enough, if the relationship is good enough, you know, they'll stay. Um, and, and hanging on to intellectual property licenses doesn't get us out of that. It doesn't solve any problems. 
In fact, by not doing that, it helps to set a tempo of like, we're in this together. We're helping you build things. Our mission is not to own all of the things in the world. Our mission is to help an extremely talented and ambitious group of, of young creators. I say young, not because they're 12, but because the industry is young. Uh, help them make the things that they want to make because we know they can. And if we're a hit maker, uh, and if we are, if, if we build our reputation on trust and our ability to help achieve those goals, then that's where we're going to win. Not because we have an infinitely deep content catalog of things we own. We don't need to own everything. And it's better if we don't. Thank you for joining me today, Dave. In closing, is there anything else you want our audience to know about Nebula? There's this uphill battle we've been fighting for years to get any kind of recognition outside of our bubble. And we talked to, going back to the thing with Sam and, and doing Netflix stuff and, and, or, or you know, developing shows for other platforms and all of that, we've had similar conversations. We've been approached by major Hollywood development companies. Like, yeah, we want to put your show, your creators on Netflix, we want to do these things. And we go through the exercise like, okay, well, how long would development take? What does the money look like? And it ends up being like, okay, so you want us to, you want this creator to commit two years of their life to developing a thing that they sell for $50,000 and they maybe get a, a roll on for another maybe 100, 200K, um, setting aside everything else they could be working on. You want them to spend two years on this for a show that you're going to cancel after one season because it's Netflix, uh, 250K, right? Or we could just stay on YouTube, reach hundreds of millions of people and make millions of dollars a year. Why the hell are we even talking to you? It just doesn't make any sense. Hollywood treats us as a farm league. They treat us like cheap talent. My number one goal in starting doing like real PR work and getting our name out there in a different way was getting coverage and variety. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Variety Strictly Business Podcast. You can find new episodes weekly on Apple Podcasts. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council.